0: I said, it's not just me. There's thousands of therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, and experts who would love to help you update your program. Your program is 80 years old. Your program is outdated. What car dealership is successful today working off of a model of selling cars from 80 years ago? What car dealership doesn't use computers? What car dealership is using file folders and cabinets? And I'll tell you the answer, none. And that's why 12-step has such a, one of the reasons they have such a horrendous success rate is because they've never updated. They they, they don't know the power of brain chemistry supplementation. They're not talking about wounds from childhood, molestation. Uh, They're not talking about PTSD. They're not talking about anxiety, depression, uh, or anything because they don't know it.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you are watching or listening. This is the Holistic Monitor, and I'm your host, Nick Sconia. The Holistic Monitor is a wellness podcast featuring life energy research, health and wellness transformation, self improvement and empowerment, philosophy, spirituality, and now guest interviews as well. We look forward to your comments on our YouTube channel at Holistic Monitor. And you can also listen on the go with us at Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and more. And with that, let's get today's show started. Uh, David Essel, you're an author of a very successfully uh, published and uh, getting widely circulated book on addiction recovery, and uh, it sounds very enticing, a a thing that... uh, I like about it is the the freedom from a commitment to being an alcoholic. Uh, You know, that's always something that I've felt, too, is that, you know, I don't I I've had addiction in my life, but I don't call myself an addict. I don't uh, rest on the idea that my new uh, persona is this thing that I was uh, or that I could be. I don't rest there. I don't like uh, live in a world of temptation based on how I was before. Uh, for me, that works. Now, it might not work for everybody, but for me, I've never felt comfortable uh, putting myself in a box and then having to work out of that box for the rest of my life. It just it doesn't uh, sound appealing. And that's what I got off of what I read about your book. Does that sound like
0: what? No, you're dead on. You know, when people are saying, well, you know, I'm a former alcoholic or I'm a recovering alcoholic or, you know, the worst in the world, Nick, is to sit in these ridiculous meetings. And I'm going to be very upfront and very honest about my feelings with 12 Steps. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to 120 straight meetings in a row years ago when I got out of a treatment center and I said I'd never go back to one. They have a 90. No. For all of our AA lovers, I'm still going to give you facts, and I'm going to tell you it's okay for you to go. I'm not telling you not to go. They have a 90% value rate. Across the board, Alcoholics Anonymous, Nicotine Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Fat Addicts Anonymous, Weight Watchers, it doesn't freaking, Food Addicts Anonymous is a 90% value rate. What does that mean? That means if someone walks into an AA meeting today for alcohol, of the people that walk into their first meeting today will never make 365 days sober. They have a 90% failure rate. Now, and I'm going to get to your point about labels. If you go to 12 steps, any of the 12-step meetings, and you've never relapsed, and you've never cross-addicted, and you're not a dry drunk, Who's always angry, irritable, has an opinion that's always correct, and there's a whole bunch of other titles for a dry drum. Don't leave AA. Right. Don't leave. But if you buy into their insanity and you're in a room and you haven't drank in two years, four years, six years, eight years, and you go, Hi, you know, I'm Nick and I'm an alcoholic. What the hell are we doing, Nick? Right. What are we doing to our brain? You know, we're reinforcing something you mentioned earlier. We're not an alcoholic anymore. So why are we going to meetings after meetings and saying, hi, I'm Mary, I'm an alcoholic. Like we're wearing it like a freaking badge, for God's sake, the worst badge in the world to to wear. And and there's so many things that I could tear apart, but I want to, before I tear apart this, this organization anymore... I want to mention in this brand new book, David Essel's permanent. We don't say one day at a time. One day at a time is not a commitment. Permanent alcohol recovery is possible for everyone. And in the book and on all these interviews, we're we're being slammed with interviews because of the book. In every interview, I say the same thing. I've reached out to the 12-step organization. I said, it's not just me. There's thousands of therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, and experts who would love to help you update your program. Your program is 80 years old. Your program is outdated. What car dealership is successful today working off of a model of selling cars from 80 years ago? What car dealership doesn't use computers? What car dealership is using file folders and cabinets? And I'll tell you the answer, none. And that's why twelve step has such a one of the reasons they have such a horrendous success rate is because they've never updated. They, they, they don't know the power of brain chemistry supplementation. They're not talking about wounds from childhood, molestation. Uh, we're not. Talk, they're not talking about PTSD. They're not talking about anxiety, depression, uh, or anything because they don't know it. And if you're a ahead. I would, say, sponsor, go I would ahead. say that
1: that's partly because of that eighty year length of time that so much has happened in the last eighty years and, and um yeah. to be frozen in something that i guess there's a fear that keeps it kind of locked in because it's worked uh it's you know if it's not f- broken don't fix it kind of attitude but um it works to kind of uh, add another crutch to me in my sense of it it's like you're, you're subtracting one addiction and then bringing in a social addiction which is definitely more healthy but um, there's no freedom to live your life from the past. You're locked Nick, in socially.
0: What, what we're talking about is a codependent organization. Because what they say is, if you keep coming to meetings, you will not relapse. That's a bunch of BS. The meetings are have nothing to do with relapse. <laughs> a right. meeting a week is not going to, you actually have to work ladies and gentlemen. You have right. to do things. You have to journal. You have to read. You have to report. You have to record. You have. There's so much work that we give our clients, which is why it's been so successful for 30 years. Nick, I created this program 30 years ago. When we saw the insanity of alcoholism increasing in my clinical practice since COVID began, we said, screw it. We're putting it in a book. And as a matter right. of fact, before I forget, even though it's brand new We're giving away the book, PDF version, absolutely free on our website because we believe the world needs to be updated. You know, Dr. Wayne Dyer in 1990, if people remember Wayne Dyer, it was the first time I interviewed him on a nationally syndicated radio show. I was a huge fan of Wayne in the 80s with his book, Your Erroneous Zones. He, Nick... Many people think of Wayne Dyer from 2000 on, like, you know, right. they just found him. He was right. a superstar in the freaking 80s, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. <laughs> so I have my first syndicated radio show in 1990. My second guest is Wayne Dyer. I'm blown out of wow. my mind. Right? <laughs> <That's laughs> He's been a guru to me. And <laughs> yeah. at the end of the interview, I said, I go, Wayne. And before I could say anything else, he looked at me and he said, you are amazing. <laughs> this is your second interview. How can okay. I help you? Now, here's a guy that didn't need to offer me a darn thing. And he said, how can I help you? And I said, I don't even know what to say, Wayne. I go, I guess, you know, can you give me an endorsement? He goes, oh, my God, I can do that in a heartbeat. He said, I'll I'll do that. I'll send it to you. And this is before computers, okay? So, and and then he said, but what I really want to know is how can I help you Hmm. grow your business? And I looked at him and I said, Wayne, you've had so much more experience. Could you give me one idea? He said, I'd love to give your stuff away for free.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Don't
0: ever be afraid that if you write books, that if you give them away, it's not going to come back. It's going to come back and you'll benefit. He said, you might benefit 30 years down the road or you might benefit 24 hours later. He said don't get hung up on getting a benefit. Just right. give your stuff away. And Nick, that's one of the reasons why on your show, we are saying to people, go to talkdavid.com. Get the book for free, or go to Amazon and buy it. If if you want Kindle, or you want a you know a paper copy, right. go buy it. But if you just want to read it, it will radically change your opinion and your beliefs about real recovery. I promise yeah. you that.
1: That's fantastic. That's great. Great offer. As a, a PDF, then that's how you deliver. Yeah, it's a PDF yeah. on my
0: website. Yeah. Easy download. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I mean uh, anything. I think that helps people get freedom from, uh, the chains of addiction, you know, that, that lock in, you know, any method, I think that's the key, especially in the, uh, in the midst of it, if there's a way to find your way out of being stuck in the mindset of, um, addiction, uh, thereafter even more important, I feel to, uh, rise above and conquer whatever that was in you that was causing, this um, you know this addiction basically
0: yeah
1: you know whatever whatever mechanism was in there find it trap it observe it liberate it um, but don't let it have control over your life and I, and I mean that like if you go to AA and um, you're around other people that are fighting a fight every day every day they're fighting almost the same fight yeah. it's, it works really well because I think uh, in community and I think the reason that you go every day or you go Many times is that touch point to make sure that you're still on track, you know, Um, accountability. If
0: if they gave you homework at the meetings, if they made you do something other than sit there, it might be more effective. But I'm going to keep repeating this. You know, we we have people that are AA Nazis that, you know, Mm -hmm. will come after you for anything that isn't AA, for God's sake. And they don't want to hear the (laughs) fact that, you know, it's a 90 percent failure rate. You know, they're not open minded because they're still working from the 30s, for God's sake. Right. But what we have to understand is this. And this may shock some people. Alcohol is not the problem in alcoholism. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: Alcohol is not the issue. Heroin. is not the issue in an opiate addiction. Right. Food is not the issue in a food addiction. And that's what we explain in our book. That's why the book, the end of the first title is Life Recovery. Because the reason we have any addictions in this world at all, Nick, is because we do not know how to handle life. Right. Stress, peer pressure, boredom, depression, anxiety, PTSD, molestation, abandonment, Uh, criticism. I I can come up with 1000 different things. And if you don't know how to handle life, you're going to look for an out, you're going to look for something to soothe your emotion, your pain, your hurt, instead of learning how to deal with it. You're going to reach for a substance. Listen, I did for 30 years, I started at the age of 12. And I'm going to tell this little bit of the story, if you don't mind, please. Because What we do in our work that 12-step doesn't do and most other people don't do is we go to the origin. There's always an origin of an addiction. It's not your genetics. I'm going to guarantee you the origin isn't your genes. Now, I have a huge genetic component. My whole family does for alcoholism. I have had relatives die horrendous deaths of alcoholism. You do not want to see someone dying of alcoholism. It is one of the worst things that you could ever imagine. So we have the gene, but the gene doesn't pull you into a liquor store and force a bottle of vodka down your throat. A gene doesn't make you have a drink on New Year's Eve. A gene doesn't make you open a bottle of wine at sunset during vacation. Your alcoholism is your choice. But alcohol is not the problem. The problem is we don't have the coping skills to deal with everything we've gone through. And and as I'm going to jump forward a little bit now to tell you why I only believe in permanent recovery. One day at a time is a bunch of crap. You're not going to do anything one day at a time unless you make a serious commitment. And here's an analogy I put in the book that I think everyone will love. Imagine this you meet the man or woman of your dreams. And because I'm a man, I'll say, I meet the woman of my dreams. And I get down on a knee and I say, honey, we've been together for six months or a year. And oh my God, you know, I've never met anyone like you before. And would you marry me? And she freaks out and goes, oh my God, David. You know, if there is such a woman. Oh my God, David, you're the most <laughs> incredible thing that ever hit my life. You are amazing. And I say, yes, I will marry you. And I say, okay, but I'm one condition. She says, "What's that?" I said, "I will commit to you one day at a time."
1: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> You're right, point taken. How many
0: women are going to be ecstatic about that?
1: <laughs> right. You know, what Goal about setting.
0: life? Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll worry about life down the road. But I'll marry you today, and then I'll marry you tomorrow, yeah. and then I'll marry you the next day.
1: We'll make See, a decision every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then and then if I'm if I'm in the good mood, we'll we'll, good. we'll do it again. And if I'm not. See, that's the erroneous aspect of 12-step right? or anyone who teaches that nonsense. Now, I'm also going to do this. We have treatment center owners endorsing our book and our one-on-one program, Nick. You don't get treatment center owners doing that because they've all bought into the nonsense of 12-step. Right. 90% of treatment centers do 12-step and 90% are a revolving door. Clients heal for 30 days and they come back six months later. They heal for 30 days. They, they've told me this. This isn't me making this up. Right. When I was in a treatment center a long time ago, the medical director stood in front of 120 of us, 60 men and 60 women. And she said, how many people here think you'll be sober in a year? Mm. 120 people raised their hands. Everyone said, yes, it's me. Right. And then she pointed to six women and six men. And she said, raise your hand. That's the number of you, 10% right? that will be sober in 12 months. And I'm sitting here thinking, and we've paid all this freaking money to have a 10% chance of success. And that's when I decided that BS, I am not going to follow their nonsense. I'm going to do my best in the treatment center, but then I'm getting out. I'm getting a professional and I'm going to hire them for 52 freaking straight weeks to make sure that I am permanently recovered for life. I'm not doing this dance again. I screwed around for 30 years. I hurt a lot of people. I hurt myself. I'm not going down this path again. And that's permanent recovery. So in our book, you know, we describe the difference between what we're teaching, which is all updated, most recent psychological information. We have studies in there talking about updated information, Nick, not from 1938, From 2023 or like we have a study from 2019 by our own U.S. government in there, you know, talking about one of the upcoming mental health tools. So Mm. what creates addiction? Underlying mental health issues are the only cause. Peer pressure, separation anxiety, abandonment, overcriticism, perfectionism, procrastination, boredom. Low self confidence, low self esteem. I I could you know, again, I'm gonna keep making these mentions because the emotional lack and the inability to deal with emotions is the whole reason we have addictions in the world in the first place, Nick.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's and that that's I think probably known by a lot of people, but there is that need to point a finger at something and blame something external. But like um any spiritual practice or religious uh, discipline there is a you know requirement or there should be a requirement uh if not uh spoken about it should be understood that there is a lot of work involved in um self work self work yeah. which i think that's what people are missing yeah they're not mirroring the world enough Seeing themselves and everything else, they're looking at something as an external and blaming, blaming, blaming. And if they can do that, then they're not to blame. You know, they they've put the energy off on something else. Um, they've given the power to something else too. And that's, I think what they missed is that they've just released the power of uh, you know self-realization to this thing that's going to now uh, have a, a wedge or a, a weight on them to be able to hold them under, without realizing that they're doing it.
0: Well, and when you're with a group of people in a room and they're all saying that it's not your fault, it's a disease, that is your first step for relapse. Right. right. That's your first out. It's not your fault, it's a disease.
1: Right. Okay. Something That's external. Your first
0: out. Or your it's second- internal,
1: but it's something that I have and I can't get rid of. Right. <laughs>
0: and yeah. And you know what the funny thing about it is, and then people say it's, you know, it's your genetics. What a bunch of crap, you know. And right. and, and let me mention this: if any addictions cause had a genetic reason only there would have been some type of medical intervention gene oh, yeah. gene therapy right medication surgery if it was truly a physiological issue the medical world could have found something right now yeah. could and isolated. you would have no addictions at all it has you could have isolated that to do yeah. with that and right. has to do with getting underneath the surface and, and this is when we say, you know, we, we say to sponsors in 12-step meetings, my God, Nick, when I went for 120 straight days, I was having people with three to six months of sobriety saying they wanted to be my sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Going, what? Right. what are you insane?
1: One year. you're like, one, okay. Oh, one one year. Yeah, but like <laughs> yeah. a big
0: one-year mark, which, you know?
1: Which is awesome. You know, it has to oh, be in well, the right place. Say- it's it's wonderful that they're able to do that and get to that point. But I feel like um, my, my thought, Back a long long time ago when I, I smoked cigarettes and then I had made a deal with myself after I had uh, gotten to a certain point that I was gonna stop smoking I made a deal and I just stopped because I made the deal I was able to just no longer like I, I passed through it now I started back up again I was at a job that you didn't get a break unless you smoked a cigarette and I thought well no problem I can do that uh, I started back up and I thought you know what I'll do is I'll start up with the intent to uh, help my friend, who also smokes a lot, uh, quit and, you know, be along for the ride and a, a help in a way that I could help him quit, which I don't know that he stayed off with the cigarettes, but uh, he definitely, we quit and it was, you know, that was fun. It was kind of like, oh, it's very doable. You yeah. just got to stop and then have the support of somebody not doing it. But you can't, you can't really talk about it for a little while because it's a social, there's a social drug element to this addiction, you know. Where you want to? Oh, I want a cigarette, and the next thing you know, your brain is firing off all of these uh, scenarios. Yeah. Um, I found that just not even having the discussion about it for a little while, and then um, the the cap here is that you got to test yourself, you got to go around it, and overcome it. Yeah, and that I always, you know, with a lot of people, uh, that's like a no no. But I feel like if you can't do that, then you're really in trouble.
0: Yeah, you like, are. You
1: you haven't done the work. That's right. You know, you, you got to get to a point where it doesn't affect you and a, it doesn't have a hold. or It doesn't have your power. Yeah. You know, it's not you telling know, you what to do.
0: There, there's a statement in 12 Step that says you're powerless. And, right. <clears throat> you know, that is such a dangerous statement. Yeah. I believe it's true while you're drinking. But to carry on that statement that, you know, I am powerless. When you are sober, you have destroyed your confidence and self-esteem completely because you're saying you're still powerless while you've overcome something. What kind of logical sense does that make? I'll answer my own question. It makes no logical sense, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and something I wanted to say about the DNA, I I do know that they, it's not that it's addiction, it's the uh, trauma that can be carried over, can be learned from the parents or something like that. Uh, It's a, you know, can be brought in from, it's a DNA memory. But not the addiction specifically. They would have isolated that and figured that out. Trauma, uh, learned learned patterns uh, socially and through chemistry, through the, the you know the DNA's protein chemistry or whatever, is yeah. something that can carry over. But it's not specific to um, it's not specific to like alcoholism or something like that.
0: You no, know, that, I mean- there's other
1: traumas involved that you have got to work on. But that's a whole different story.
0: And, and let me mention a couple of things about drama. And I'm going to mention food addiction, okay? Yeah. 85% of Americans are overweight. Of the 85%, we've reached the highest level of obesity that we've ever reached in the United States of America. And it's wow. 45% of the 85 are obese. Wow. Think about that. 50% of people who are overweight are obese, obesity has been linked to identical uh, ramifications as smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. Mm. We're not talking about just, you know, Oh, I'm a little fluffy. I'm a big bone, bone girl or boy BS. Wake up, look in the freaking mirror. You're All a right. horrendous role model uh, the university of Florida. A number of years ago came out and I know this is a harsh statement, but I'm willing to tell the truth and I'll take any kind of kickback. People want to give me university of Florida came out with a study saying that 10 percent of obesity has any link to genetics whatsoever mm. number one number two there has never been a gene for depression ever found right. there's never been a gene for anxiety ever found so right. you know when we use these excuses and we, we, we're not looking at reality and right. and 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 i want to go back again sponsors in 12 steps have great intentions but they're not trained, Nick. They're right. not trained to deal with trauma. They're other not stuff. trained to deal with, with anxiety, depression, PTSD, ADD, ADHD, or any other mental health issue. Right. If a sponsor in AA wants to really be a sponsor, they need to be certified. They need to go through a program. Right. You know, I, and, and then I, I had these people at three and six months saying they wanted to be my sponsor. Then one guy said to me he had 38 years of sobriety. And I said, well, I'll talk to you, you know, and he see. and the very first thing he said, he said, he said, you know, you have to devote your life to Jesus Christ. (laughs) And I said, what the hell's this got to do with my recovery? My religion is my religion or my spirituality. Don't try to tell me I have to devote myself to your beliefs about God or Jesus. And, and listen, I'm a former pastor and a minister. (laughs) I still don't want someone trying to cram that crap down my throat.
1: Right. It's not necessary. Yeah.
0: And then I finally found a sponsor. I went 120 days. Mm. I had two days left, Nick. And and I promised the guy at the treatment center that i go to 120 straight days. I learned how to attend meetings without buying into the BS. I learned how to look for the one gem. Mm. Because there's always a gem in a meeting. And I would write it down. And people would come up to me all the time and say, you know, we see you keep coming to meetings. You're going to relapse. You don't have a sponsor. I mean, what kind of support is that, right? (laughs) Ben. On a Saturday. Yeah, with the
1: program, buddy. It's
0: the program. It's called a codependent program.
1: We're correct, right. It's so, one codependency for another. Yeah, you know. and,
0: and, and I want to give a great codependency story in a second. Um, I'm sitting there. It's two days left, and my 120 days are up, and I'm never going back to another one of these damn meetings. That's what I'm saying to myself. People are going around the room. Hi, I'm Mary. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Bill. I'm an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I hear this guy, two people down from me, he goes, Hi, I'm Phil. And I am really grateful to be here today. (laughs) Right. I go, oh my God, someone with a brain. Yeah, yeah. Someone who has an independent brain. They're not brainwashed. They're not in a cult anymore. Right, right. And I waited till after the meeting, I ran up to him. I go, Phil. He goes, yeah. I go, you're amazing. (laughs) He looks at me and he goes, have I ever met you? (laughs) I go, no. But what you said is brilliant. And I said, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to any more of these meetings. They're not for me. They're not successful. I've done the statistics. I've done the research. Horrendous, horrendous success rate. I said, yeah. but I really like you. Yeah. And can I pick your brain for four weeks, 45 minutes, once a week? I said, I'm not calling you every day at 6 a.m. I don't need a sponsor. I want to learn from you. Right. Phil was the most amazing freaking guy. He was open-minded. He said, you know, David, you don't have to come back to meetings. I totally understand where you're coming from. Your background is psychology. You understand what people in these rooms don't understand. He said, "But I'd love to talk to you," and we had a blast, Nick. You know, but but now let me jump to codependency. So in the meetings, I heard this every day when I went went in. If you keep coming back, you'll stay sober and recovered for life. One of the biggest lies in the world: coming to a meeting doesn't guarantee a damn thing, right? But they said you have to keep coming back. You have to keep coming back. So now. I have been teaching addiction recovery for 30 years. I have been certifying people to become coaches for 30 years, plus more than 30 years. Imagine this. And I write this in our new book. Imagine someone contacts me from your show and says, David, I want to sign up. I want to work with you one on one. I don't believe in group work for recovery because people will shut down and not say the truth. But one on one, they'll tell you everything, which is what's needed to heal. So imagine someone from your show, Nick, calls me today and says, hey, David, I want to hire you. I want to work with you. And I say, OK, awesome. So glad that Nick's show reached you and that you're ready and everything else. I said, but there's only one thing with the program. And they say, what's that? I said, you have to work with me for the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, uh, not likely. <laughs>
0: no, not likely at all. Not necessary. Right.
1: Take those chains off and put these on.
0: Thank you very much. Right. (laughs) It's like all we're doing is creating codependency. Right. If I don't go to a meeting, I might relapse. That's called fear based recovery. That's right. It's fear based. Yeah. With us, we say, you know what? And this is what makes us different. I work with people one day a week, but they have access to me, Nick, five days a week via text messaging. So mm-hmm. if they're on the verge, they're they're getting a craving, they're going to an event, they don't know what to do. They text me and I help them. They're right. not alone. That You have me five days a week, one day for an hour, one-on-one, and then I give you homework. I give you the book. I give you writing exercises. We get you freaking clean. When you read the stories in the book, can I share a brief one? Yeah, please. This one makes me cry every time I read it. And I hope I'm not going to cry right now when I tell you this, but- I was working with this guy and he had struggled deeply with alcoholism for a very long time. And he has a beautiful family uh, and he just never would stop. And so he finally came into the program uh, and he was in the program for a year and he he did phenomenal. And all of a sudden, one day he came in and he said, I have a letter. From my 16 year old daughter. Mm. And she wants me to give it to you. It's a long letter. I'll paraphrase. Dear Mr. Russell. My father has become the father. I had always dreamed of. Mm. I never knew that he could sit and listen to me. I never knew that he could wake up and not be in a bad mood. I never knew that he could actually be quiet and not have an opinion on everything on the news. You have brought my father back to me, but I need to tell you more as she was 18. When she wrote this on my 16th, my sweet 16th birthday party, I had to leave my own party because my father was drunk. Mm. I was embarrassed to be around him. I didn't have a sweet 16 birthday party. I had to run away from my own father. Mm. Thank you so much for creating the peace in our home that I never thought I would see. That's the effect of permanent recovery, Nick. I'm not talking about one day at a time crap. I'm talking about when you permanently recover, you will find a world of difference. You'll find people that'll be blown away by you. You'll find that all of your issues of boredom and anger and anxiety and rage and everything, insecurity and uh, and codependency, you'll find it all stripping away. And then you're going to find you, finally, this precious soul, this precious heart, this person that now wants to help others, not necessarily just with alcoholism, but with anything in life. You see, because... Once you get permanently recovered, everything changes. Your approach to life changes. Self-love becomes evident. The way you treat others changes. I mean, it is one of the most beautiful gifts, but the only person that can give you this gift is you. There's no one that can do it for you. People can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and put you in a treatment center. But if you don't do the work, it's a waste of $100,000, you know? So what we say is all you need in the book, I make this quite clear. All you need is a 10% desire to heal. In 43 years of doing this work, I did it even when I was an alcoholic and an addict. I've never had someone contact me and say, I am so excited to get sober. I can't wait to not drink again. I can't (laughs) wait to be sober. Nick, in 43 years, not one person has ever come to me with that. So we say, you don't have to be ready because no one is ready. Right. No one is ever freaking ready to give it up. So come with your ten percent, and then surrender to the program. It's almost like this. Imagine, Nick. Nick do you have a favorite sport?
1: Uh, not a favorite, but I definitely like soccer.
0: Soccer. Okay. Yeah. So let's say that you know you're you're playing soccer in high school. You're playing soccer in college, and then all of a sudden the MLS, the Major League Soccer, contacts you and says, "Hey, um, we're going to draft you." Uh, we've got a coach. He's amazing. And you go to the first day of practice and the coach says, Nick, I want you to do this. And you go, you know, coach, I, eh, that's that's not really my gig. You know, that's that's not really what I do.
1: Right. Oh, okay, Nick,
0: Well, <laughs> Nick, I'd like you to do this. Well, you know, coach, I think it's a great idea for other guys. But, you know, doing sprints like that, I'm in good shape. I, I don't
1: necessarily.
0: Right. So that would be someone that is resisting healing. Right. So you need to surrender to a program. Now, our program, Nick, is guaranteed. That's great. It's guaranteed because we know this. I went through it. I know what it takes. One of the things that I did, and we don't ask our clients to do this, but I did this my first 365 days. I never went to any event where alcohol was there. Right. I never went to restaurants, funerals. And I used to, as a a minister, I do funerals and weddings. I didn't do any funerals and weddings. I didn't go to birthday parties. I didn't go to New Year's Eve. For 365 days, I eliminated being anywhere where alcohol was served. Not because I was afraid, but because I wanted to be grounded. Right Now, if someone comes to me and says, well, David, I have to go to this wedding. I'll say, great. Let's set up the sober way to attend a wedding. And I know how to do it. A funeral. Great. Let's set up. And let me mention another story, Nick. I'm I'm full of stories. I hope they don't mind stories. (laughs) No, no, not at all. So when we talk permanent, and this is what I want to go back into again, this is the only way to go. My mom and dad recently died. It's been a year for my dad, two years for my mom. It was horrendous deaths on both of their cases that Mm. took them each four years to freaking die. Mm -hmm. They were in hospice for their last two years. Yeah. My mom had the worst case of dementia I have ever seen in my life. And I could handle my clients' parents with dementia, but when it's your own mom, it's a different story. It's a totally different story. She would look at me on FaceTime with completely blank eyes. It was, she was uh, without any type of connection. And then about 10 or 15 minutes a day, she would be connected. But she had lost her expressions to smile. She couldn't make any facial expressions at all. Yeah, There were days that she would scream at my father. They were married for 71 years. Wow. Wow. 71. She would scream, who is this man? Get him out of my house. And the whole family, especially my brother, Terry, and my sister, Mary Diane, who lived right there, hmm. saw it and experienced it. The pain that I saw on FaceTime was enough. Right. I love my mom for reasons that are valid. My addiction started at 12. My mom was not happy with me, but at not one time did she ever not love me. Right. So to see her go through this with hell, but this is what I'm talking about, permanent recovery, Nick, in those four years of loving my mom and dad as deeply as I could, there was not one time I ever thought about having a drink.
1: Right. As it should be. You know, doesn't have a place in your life. And that is, that is recovery. Um, you know, when you think of the word recover, um, what, what comes to my mind is um, uh, in a car accident and you have trauma and you go through a hospital stay and there is rehabilitation Involved, and then you have fully recovered. Now the feeling that you would get off of that is elation, and joy, and happiness. Like recovery is uh, something like, "Wow, I survived that accident! I can't believe it!" You know, whoo. Mm-hmm. Not a, a fully like shrouded in clouds uh, depth of something hanging over you at all times because. Once you've passed through something, you've recovered. You've you've brought back to yourself that thing that was missing. Yeah. So, um, just in the word itself, recovery, the outcome that we should be finding is elation and joy, an expression that is uh, very positive versus very negative. Um, yeah. it's composed to kind of hanging on the accident for the rest of your life. Right. And just hanging on it. You know, I
0: remember the first concert I went to sober, Steely Dan. I'll Mm. never forget it. One of my favorite groups, you know, I'm I'm older than 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 probably a lot of listeners. But, you know, they back in in the day, man, they were everything. And I remember (laughs) Nick going sober, not knowing what it was going to be like. I had no idea. You know, I had more freaking fun than all the people around me. I had tears streaming down my face when they would go through these guitar solos that were absolutely mind-blowing. You know, I was jumping up and down. I was having a blast without any substance whatsoever. And and that's what we're missing. And I remember the concerts I went to before that I couldn't remember a lot of the concerts. Right, well,
1: that's the thing. For Steely Dan, you were actually there for it. (laughs) I was present, Nick. (laughs) You know what I mean? The other ones you weren't. You know, you were, you were, if you, you had subjected part of yourself, your perception to be, you know, inoculated. That's right. Um, in a different place. So you weren't there. You were hearing it all. from a different, from a different, you know, room. Seely <laughs> Dan, you were actually there. So it was pretty cool. Was present. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was and, a pretty good band.
0: <laughs> and they were, oh my God. And now when I go to, you know, events or parties or where there's alcohol served, I, I am having a blast, but I will say this. You know, I am a very independent person. And if I'm yeah. with a group of people and anyone starts to get a little on the other side, I walk away.
1: Yeah, okay. And
0: I don't care who gets pissed off at me. I don't care if they go, "Oh, what's he leaving? We haven't even cut the cake for." Hey, listen.
1: It starts getting anyone weird. Anyone
0: gets into that kind of state of mind, I don't need to subject it me to it because I did it before. I know right. it. It's a pain in the butt. People right. are arrogant, loud, obnoxious. I used to be that.
1: Right. Right. I'm not
0: going to subject myself to that crap anymore.
1: It, it gets crazy. You know, not necessarily right away, but yeah, you can start to tell when things are ramping up Yeah. and evolving into a different kind of uh, gathering or a uh, party yeah. where it's like, okay, we're, we've tipped, uh, we've gone over the edge here a little bit. That's right. You know, 9, 9 p.m.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Party's and, and been getting, going on two hours.
0: Yeah, and, and many times eight. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> well it could be. It depends on how early the party got started. Right. <laughs> you know? For some people it's noon. They're like, Oh, time <laughs> to hit it. <laughs> <That's right>. Exactly. <laughs> you know. And that's but and there is such a big culture around um uh, drinking.
0: Yeah.
1: If we were gonna stay on alcohol. It's also a big culture around uh currently around um, medicinal use of substances, which uh I find intriguing. I I, I was very recreational when I was young. And I was kind of put in my place by uh, the substances to not be so recreational. Yeah. And I'm alluding to, you know, patterns that I was going through and things I was doing. But um, I was forced to not be so recreational, to be more um, sacramental. And I find a lot of people are getting on that train. But I'm, I wonder if they are subverting true spiritual discipline for... Uh, what would be almost escapism to kind of get away from something. Um, So for me, the idea is that you need a cold, uh, grounded, as you were saying earlier, uh, perspective to approach something that's going to change you so that you can get whatever you're trying to get out of it, whatever message you're trying to receive. But then you got to come back to a very cold, grounded uh, place. You know you have to come out of that you have to recover from that event or that circumstance well it's not the way it's approached
0: no you you make a great a point a point and i'm I'm gonna i have two points to to share with you on that number one i have a a client that oh my god 15 20 years ago got completely sober he was doing phenomenal for a number of years until he got into plant healing seminars right right and (laughs) um He continued to go to ayahuasca seminars, which are extremely deep and extremely intense. Right. He went to psilocybin um, events and I'll talk uh, mushrooms, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, but, you know, he was doing the full blown hallucinogenic effect, not microdosing. Right. And he has gone into psychosis. Yeah. He's gone into deep, deep levels of depression he can't get himself out of. And for the very first time, he admitted to someone about a month ago that he did cross addict under the spiritual headlines of using these medicines because they're from nature. Mm-hmm. Now, if you like, I went through a ketamine therapy uh, experimentation program, which was fully hallucinogenic, yeah. it was in um, an anesthesiologist's office. I yeah. was surrounded by nurses. Um, I went completely hallucinogenic I, for three and a half hours. Wow. I, I did six treatments for oh three gosh. and a half hours. These things were coming into my brain that were blowing my mind, you know, oh, yeah. and, and and I teach people now how to prepare for a ketamine or an ayahuasca experience, right. um, what to do immediately afterwards. And yeah. what I learned from that experience was unbelievable. But the yeah. experience did not heal me. I had to do the work that I found that the experience gave me, Nick. Exactly. So The experience brought right to my face stuff I didn't want to see. I didn't want to acknowledge. And because of the way I did it, the second I was somewhat conscious coming out of the ketamine experience, I had my iPhone Mm. and I started recording. Oh, my God, this is what I saw today. This is what this person said. This is what God said to me. And and God did come and speak to me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all these things that people say, oh, that's not true. It was true because everything I was told was valid. And yeah. at the, and, the, and at the end of the five sessions, uh, five or six, but I think it was five sessions. Like I had all the data saying you need to make major lifestyle changes now. Yeah. That's the purpose of those ceremonies. Definitely. Now, let's yeah. jump ahead to microdosing in our new book. We have a section that we talk about microdosing, and the U.S. government has already—oh, God! Since 2012, has been doing studies on microdosing of plant and other type of materials. Mainly, they started out for mental health, Nick. Right. Um, depression that could not be healed by modern psychiatry, anxiety, PTSD, traumas. They they wanted to do everything, and the hmm. study that I put in the book from our own U.S. government that was done in 2019, led by the father of microdosing, James Fadiman, Mm. he did this study with LSD. And the end result of the abstract that people will read in the book is that it had the most powerful effect. Listen to this. I wish to God that I knew this when my mom was going through dementia. It had a powerful effect at greatly diminishing the effects of dementia, mm. of Parkinson's disease, right. of unhealed depression, anxiety, and PTSD. It's in my book. It's right. a study by our own government. And in about four months, according to one of my top researchers, who's an MD, the government is going to release the first legal microdosing product in the United States to help with mental health and addiction work. But here's something crucial. Microdosing does not get you high. Right. This is so important. Yeah. Now, if you do, and I'll give examples, if you do psilocybin mushrooms at between 100 milligrams or 200 milligrams, you will find for the average person. Now, everyone's brain chemistry is different, and it's illegal in the United States right now. So let me make that clear. Right. But for the average brain chemistry, 100 milligrams to 200 milligrams a day, two days on, three days off, two days on, so you're not doing it every day, Yeah, will have a powerful effect on depression, anxiety, focus, creativity, even genius. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it'll bring out the genius in you, okay? Yeah. However, if you go to the hallucinogenic dosage of 4,000 milligram, remember, we're talking 100 to 200 milligrams for micro. All right. If you go to 4,000, you will have a full-blown hallucinogenic effect, which means you need to be in a safe environment with a session sitter. And that means someone that has experience in case you go on a bad trip. Right. Microdosing, you cannot go on a bad trip. Now, yeah,
1: no. Right.
0: So, now, psychologically speaking, it is not a cross addiction in my book. Because okay. if you take Paxil... That's for depression. Right. If you take a microdosing for depression, it's the same thing as taking Paxil, but it's even better. Right. Because you will not get addicted physiologically to microdosing no. where you <laughs> will get addicted physiologically to Paxil.
1: Uh-huh, right. Yeah, and that's, I guess, um, I, I, I uh, self-explored a lot of that when I was young. I, I feel like I got lucky uh, in my state as a teenager in high school, I was very depressed. I was, you know, uh, not really wanting to be here anymore. And that was the conclusion. And um, I ate a whole lot of mushrooms, not knowing that it was anything different than pot. You know, I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to get high or whatever and went to school, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I ate the whole bag and I went to school, not having any idea, but um, I had a great experience. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the out- the output of that was that uh, thereafter, within um, within a few months, I was not nearly as depressed. Something had shifted in me that I wasn't really even aware of in the moment. But I definitely shifted to a different perspective on myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I, I read a lot about uh, shamanism and things like that. And I was kind of, you know, working my way towards uh, beginning my addiction on psychedelics at that mm-hmm. point. And uh, the uh, Carlos Castaneda books came up. Uh, I had a lot of uh, Black Elk Speaks mm-hmm. uh, influence. Now for him, it was a fever. It was a fever dream and a, f- a vision that he had with a fever. Very similar uh, in my eyes th- as yes. mushrooms, because you're going into a state of like death and just complete removal from your state uh, to receive a message or a vision. Mm-hmm. Right. and. I, I don't, I mean, it, it, there's an addiction to being able to escape. There's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's in a matter of wanting to not be where you're at, you know, uh, the, the recreational side of it, but yes. the therapeutic side, um, you know, you're the, the micro dosing is like a minor, it's like taking a minor bit of clarity versus anything else. Thank you. Um, you know when you're doing it for hallucinogenic purposes you're approaching something that feels like the death of the self or the death or whatever and that's more also very sobering but it can be very addicting to not be in this place you know what i mean it's that yeah. that level it depends on society and how you're using it culturally you know yeah. if you're around a bunch of people that just want to get messed up right? it's just one of many things that i did when i was young i did a yeah. whole bunch of different hallucinogenics Uh, Again, Carlos Castaneda, very inspired by the substances in there. I wanted to turn into a crow too, you know, so (laughs) that's cool, you know, Yeah, but, uh, and I, I micro dosed uh, mushrooms, my own amount, which is definitely not in the micros, but uh, it was, it was a little amount for about a month. Um, I did not have a good reaction at the end of that experience. And, uh, and and that
0: lasted six months. A psychosis collapse, uh, yeah. and, t- and, um, and Nick, you bring up something so crucially important. You know, we tell people, especially in the world of addiction, if you're going to even think when it becomes legal to take this is that, you know, right. if you cannot follow the directions of your professional, then you're not meant to right. take it. Right. If they say to take 200 milligrams a day, four days a week, and you're doing it for 30 straight days, you're going to burn out. Yeah, And that's, and Nick, that's why they have the spacing. You know, in between, right. like two days on, three days off. That's the Fatiman principle. Another principle is four days on, three days off. But there's space, right? Yeah. Albert Hoffman, who is the one that created LSD, in the beginning used high dosages uh, because he just wanted to see what it would do to him. Yeah. And he found himself lost on his bike in the city he lived in. He couldn't find his way home. He didn't know what his name was. Right. He didn't know- right. Then he finally started to titrate down and then he found a dosage that worked for him. And here's the interesting thing. He died, I think in, uh, 2008 at like 102 years of age, but there was, um, an interview that he did about when he must've been in his nineties and they said, how are you on stage in your (laughs) nineties? And you're explaining these deepest principles to these audiences who are giving you standing ovations in your 90s? What other speaker can do that? Yeah. And he, yeah. And he said, I've been microdosing for 50 years. My brain mm-hmm. is at the highest level it's ever been. Yeah. And as long as I sustain it with the breaks that we do, I will always be able, if I'm 102, 104, 108, he really believed that yeah. the entropy of the brain in his case had been reversed Mm-hmm. And that he was as sharp and as clear and as brilliant as he was in his 60s and his 90s. Now, yeah. I say that to you with caution for everyone struggling with addictions. There's not a silver bullet. Right. If you only do microdosing and you don't take care of the underlying trauma, depression, neglect, abandonment from childhood, or whatever happened, all you're doing now is you're masking the real issue. But right. if you work with a professional, and you go to the origin of the addiction, and you go to how it started, where it started, why it started, who was your role model, and you're doing all of that work, and you're microdosing, totally different story. Right. But, you know, I I, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of microdosing. I have clients in other countries, oh my God, Nick, you know, that were drinking two cases of beer a day, seriously. That's yeah. a lot of freaking alcohol. <laughs> a
1: lot of fluid going
0: through the body. <laughs> that it is, and and they have one beer, and they can't finish it, like right. they don't like that altered state. They yeah, don't right. like that place it put them in, right? And and that's what we want. We want people that if you are, you know, let's say you're four years sober and it's New Year's Eve, you go, oh, I can have a glass of wine. I hope you feel like crap.
1: Yeah. Because, or, well, you can't finish the glass. You know, yeah. Or you can't finish you the glass,
0: right? Because, <laughs> you know, that means you're permanently in a recovery system. Now, yeah. the other thing I want to mention this, we use the word life in our title because this is something when when people go through our program, Nick, they have rituals throughout the day that they go through. There's a reading one, there's a listening, there's a writing, there's a deep breathing, there's a short meditation, there's exercise nutrition, there's other brain chemistry supplementation that work incredibly well on Amazon for $15 a month. It's yeah. called amino acid supplementation, DLPA, tyrosine, GABA. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh my God, there's so many out there, extremely yeah. inexpensive That can help recalibrate the damage the addiction has done to brain chemistry. So, you know, we have um, tryptophan. Let let me, let me talk about tryptophan because this is a huge one. Okay. Serotonin and dopamine are the two biggest drivers of the mood in the body. Mm-hmm. Serotonin is a feeling you have after a really nice meal that you didn't overeat, you didn't have dessert, you just had a beautiful meal, and you're sitting out back with a glass of water, or unsweetened iced tea, mm-hmm. or something, and you're talking to your partner, or you're watching nature, and you just feel, re- that's serotonin, okay? Now, right. here's something interesting. 70% of our serotonin is stored in the gut. Mm. If you want to have access to serotonin, you have to clean up your diet dramatically. And then we also encourage people while they're making dietary changes to add the supplement tryptophan. Tryptophan Mm -hmm. is a relaxant. It releases more serotonin. But the fact that 70% is in your gut tells you that alcohol is destroying it. Heroin is destroying it crap convenience and fast food is destroying it sugars. So your gut, yeah. your microbiome is crucially important in full permanent recovery and we teach people this stuff you know i'm telling telling you this right. but you know when you go through the program with me we're going to teach you all of this yeah yeah and then you know for for dopamine i mean dopamine is the um dopamine is is serotonin on steroids okay so <laughs> dopamine is that I can't wait to write that next book. And what a gorgeous day. And let's get out there and walk. And, you know, dopamine is that excitatory, right? Well, DLPA, DL-phenylalanine is the combination of D-phenylalanine and L-phenylalanine together. And together they help create an increase in the availability of dopamine. So when we have people getting off of anything, crack, heroin, alcohol, food, sex, porn, it doesn't matter. I'll talk about porn in a second. Um, Mm -hmm. When we have them getting off, we want to supply the brain with a supplement that is non-addictive, but that will help boost levels. And I remember in 1990, and I tell this story in my book, I met this gentleman, rest in peace, Dr. Stan Meyerson, who introduced me to amino acid therapy and I remember the first time I took DLPA in the morning, I, I used to drink like probably six cups of coffee in the morning and I had one and I, I didn't want anymore. <laughs> I yeah. said, what's going on? And so I said, oh, I'll just let it go. Next day, took my dopamine 30 minutes later, I had one cup of coffee and I said, I don't want this caffeine. Yeah. Right. Dopamine does not give you a rush or a race. It just awakens you. Yeah. So, You know, Nick, this is so cool talking to you about all this stuff because most of what I'm describing has been out there for a while, but if you're tied up in the old programs, you'll never hear about it.
1: Right. And it's also awareness to, you know, access, like to know that, okay, I can get these things and um, this key is going to open that door. That's right. Like I can utilize this as a tool. As a, a, you know, as a chemical tool to unleash a natural ability, a natural part of myself that uh, was latent or was buried under coffee or sugar or something
0: like that. Yeah. 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 And when we look at sugar, I mean, sugar is a drug. That's a hardcore drug. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And what it does to destroy the body, it's the it's the most inflammatory food that you can take in. Um, you know, a, a couple of friends of mine, Dr. Sinatra, Dr. Johnny Bowden, wrote a book a number of years ago called The Great Cholesterol Myth. Mm, mm. And it's the coolest book in the world because it totally destroys all this crap that our food industry tells us. And when I had Johnny on my radio show, I was talking to him about, you know, cholesterol and everything. And he said, David, let me tell you something. Uh, he goes, ask me a question about any food that you like to eat. I said that he goes that you've been told is not good for you. I said, egg yolks.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. He said,
0: okay, great. This is a good one because people always say the saturated fat and egg yolks car- creates heart disease. He said, it's hundred percent right. false.
1: Mm.
0: He said, this is what I'm going to tell you. If you buy organic eggs who are free range that aren't locked in a freaking cage, You can eat between eight and 12 egg yolks a day Mm. for the rest of your life. And as long as you're not combining it at breakfast with maple syrup or a Danish or anything with jam or jelly. He said, there's no such thing as clogged arteries. But he said, let me tell you what happens with sugar. Sugar is an inflammatory. You consume it it blows up the artery, it inflames the artery. It makes it sticky. So now saturated fat goes by and sticks to the artery wall. Mm. But it's because of the white flour, the sugar that is inflaming those artery walls that creates heart disease. And I wanna tell you something, Nick. I had quit eating meat when I was 20. I hadn't eaten, only thing I ever ate was egg, egg whites. I never ate egg yolks. After interviewing these guys, I eat organic beef three to four days a week. I eat, oh, I don't know, several dozen eggs every week. Um, I just had my physical and I, you know, I'm 67 years of age. Uh, My cholesterol is perfect. My HDL is over 55 for God's sake. And, Mm. you know, 45 is good. I'm at 55 triglycerides, blood sugar levels. Everything is so freaking low. And it's because of the way that we eat. Now, then people say, but organic food is so much more expensive. Now, with the recent inflation, there has been an increase, unbelievably so, in these different foods. But I was just last night buying organic bananas at 89 cents a pound. Right. And regular bananas are 69 cents a pound. Right. Negligible. Negligible. Yeah. Right. And a lot of it is now. Pesticides in your regular bananas.
1: Right. Well, and bananas probably. used to be forty-nine cents a pound, <laughs> and the organic was eighty-nine. I, I've noticed that too. The gap in the food that's processed with lots of chemicals uh, versus the food that isn't. There's just there. There was a big gap, and you're like, why is the organic the thing that they're not using all these this stuff on? Why does that cost way more? And it's because they could they could charge that amount, but the, you know, less is being used to. Um you know keep the keep the plant alive while it's living or whatever, or keep the bugs yeah. off of it, but the gap is really closed up, and I think that has to do with the inflation. I think inflation has hit the industry around industry uh, the you know the supporting uh mechanisms the non-local food the you have to ship all these things and all these ingredients to the farms that's just the beginning yeah whereas yeah. if you have it as organic, and uh, mag- micro or macrobiotic as close to you as possible within your zone, you're really uh, you know you're really maximizing and, and, and it could just be a few cents different. Meat is definitely different than that, but yeah, with vegetables and fruit, I've noticed that the gap between the two prices has really, really decreased you can really afford to uh the you know peppers it's it's i think 20 cents different, something <laughs> right. like that per a pound per piece or per oh, pound or whatever it is, but add yeah. it added up and you're talking about 20, 30 cents. It's just not a whole lot no. as where it used to be.
0: And when the inflation goes away and we return back to more normalized prices uh, with homes and food, <laughs> I have right, well, to see. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, we're going to see even a greater increase of organic use of foods. We're going to yeah. see a greater increase of availability of different types of organic foods that we don't even see right now, unless you go to like a local farm stand where they are right. actually growing organically. We're going to see supermarkets and we're seeing it already, just filled with organic options. You know, I, yeah. I look at organic milk, you know, and the difference there. So let's say it's a dollar difference, okay, or a dollar and a half or whatever. Yeah. Well, if you have 15 kids and you're going through 15 gallons of milk a day and you're on a very limited budget, that's a totally different story. Right. But, but for the average person that maybe goes through a gallon of milk a week or every two weeks or whatever it is, you know, it's that $2 is nothing over the course of time when it comes to your health. Right.
1: Right. I think I, I was doing uh uh when I was single, I had... Spices, And I noticed that my, I want to say it was the, it was something that I just, the salt. I think I had like opted to get the cheap salt, but after like a year and a half, I still had the cheap salt. And I was like, you know, I could have, I could have paid an extra buck for that. <laughs> you right. know? I could have gotten a better salt. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's going to last this long. I might as well have the better <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. That, that was an awareness that like certain things you don't have to necessarily pinch if they're going to last a while. There's no reason to cut the cost on that, but I think it is it always comes down to like cost and um yeah. the amount of something that you have to buy yep yeah. um uh, you know uh as far as um as far as the the change now my my feelings and this is you know prophetical or whatever, but I feel like we we've entered a new zone uh economically where we might not see things just go down, we may see an adjustment, so what you're saying is that there would be a greater variety. I, and I think that would be because we'll be pulling from closer resources rather than further away. I th- I, you know, My sense is that um, this mass import of of foods from other places is going to probably slow down. And it could be resource or economical, that it's just uh, more cost-effective to ship it from 10 miles away. And yeah. if it's a farm that's making 15 different varieties of peppers, awesome, you know, then yeah. you get to have – the green, the purple, the blue, the yellow, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas we've been isolating ourselves by finding like, okay, all green peppers and they're all going to look like this. And it's, you know, a lot of waste goes in, into that. Yeah. Um, so I'm very hopeful that the change that we're seeing is going to lead towards a more localized approach to food and less like, hey, I, you know, this is from Finland. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's weird, you yeah. know. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. And but eating appropriate and knowing your own body chemistry, yeah. um, I, I'm big on the the internal, um, internal knowledge, which you can call it a battle or whatever, whatever works for you. You know the internal battles that you you know need to know that you're waging or have waged battles fought and won for food, like sugar. You know, if you know that this is going to be a problem. And like you had said, you know, abstain from it for a very long amount of time. Stay away from being uh, tempted. Yeah, and that's, you know, my method is 30 days, but, you know, a full year, you should really be on a different course in your life where you're not tempted. Um, Absolutely. But you need to know your own battles and you need to choose them.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, if you have, you know that you're you're really drawn to cakes and muffins, Uh, try to stay away from them for as long as it takes for Mm -hmm. you to not be um, overcome by the urge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just know that about yourself until you feel like it doesn't no longer part of your mentality, your mindset, your words. You know, when you speak, oh, I'm addicted to you're just reinforcing this.
0: That's right. I'm
1: addicted to sugar. I just love X, Y, Z once you start ridding that out it's like you you know I, I always say like I am a smoker okay well I don't even smoke <laughs> you know I love to smoke uh-huh. I absolutely loved to smoke and when I made the conscious decision to not be a smoker anymore I just wasn't a smoker anymore so I didn't say I'm a smoker it was never it didn't no longer become an option I didn't get rid of the I had to I had to actually make it my enemy initially yeah. I had to find a way to, to hate it So that I could love it, basically. I know I love it, but I had to turn it into an enemy so I could fight it, put it in its place, gain control over it, and then I could let it go. And I didn't – no, I don't have to worry about it. Now I could actually have a cigarette and I would not have to have another. Like i I'm, I'm and, overcome and, it to the point, you know.
0: And, you know, nicotine is the most powerful anti-anxiety drug sold over mm. the counter. Okay. Nothing can match nicotine in regards to anti-anxiety. Mm. So for everyone who struggles with smoking right now, the, if you were working with me, we would go underneath the cigarette and we'd say, well, it's used for anxiety. So what are we not dealing with that creates anxiety? It might right. be a family issue, a money issue, a work issue, a self-confidence issue, a self-esteem issue. It might be per, a peer pressure issue. Right. But there's something that's making you go after an anti-anxiety drug. Right. What don't you want to face? And now let's put healthy tools in the place of a cigarette that take right. care of anxiety. And let me give you a great example. number of years ago, I worked with a woman who lost her children to the state of Florida custody. Mm. Because she was an alcoholic addict, unbelievably so, she should have lost her children, and she agrees she should have lost them. And then they, Hmm. I got her family members sent her to me, and we worked together for several years. It took several years because she was a heroin addict and alcoholic, uh, smoked two and a half to three packs of cigarettes a day. And here's something interesting, Nick. We got rid of alcohol within a couple months, and she was doing great. We got rid of heroin within a couple months, and she was doing great. The nicotine. Oh yeah. my God, because right. she was at two and a half or three packs a day, I forget the exact amount. I mean, it was everywhere. The minute she got up in the morning, the minute she went to the bathroom, the second after a meal, on the drive to work, yeah. 15 minute smoking breaks that you may know something about. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like- it's like
1: whenever you can get it.
0: Yeah. It's whatever, right? right? And so then we started instituting something called an essential oil of lavender, which we talk mm. about in our book. Mm -hmm. It is one of the most powerful relaxants that you'll ever find. And here's the cool thing. Now you have to get a hundred percent pure essential oil of lavender. You can't Mm. go into a drugstore and get a lavender smelling, whatever those (laughs) things they sell in a bottle with liquid, with sticks coming out. That's Ah, all chemicals, right? It's freaking chemicals. Yeah. So we got our lavender bottle, just a tiny little bottle. It'll last you freaking a year. Okay. Right. Right. If it's $20, then divide that in 365. <clears throat> yeah. It's not that much money. It's not much. <laughs> no. And so this is what we had her do. Before she lit up, she had to write down what she was feeling.
1: Hmm.
0: Because you got to get to the origin.
1: Right. right.
0: Am I nervous? Am I anxious? Am I pissed? Am I afraid of something? Am I whatever? Right. So she had to write down the reason. Then step two, she had to slowly take 10 deep inhalations from the little essential oil of lavender. Now, because it goes directly to the brain, it's very similar to cocaine. When you mm. snort cocaine, it's a millisecond before the right. brain is lit up. When you inhale a scent that goes to the brain in a millisecond, that yeah. brain chemistry has shifted and lavender is a relaxant. Right. It does the same thing as nicotine. So what she found was after 10 deep breaths of lavender, she would sit there and then make a decision. Do I want this? Is this necessary? And then the other thing I had her do one day, and of course we know what the answer was she eventually reached. The other thing I had her do one day is I said, write down what the emotion is. Don't do the lavender. Right. And write down, look at your watch. And write down how long the craving lasted for the cigarette. And it was always the same. Hmm. Three minutes. Hmm. After three minutes, she had no craving. Yeah. So now she had personal power, Nick. She could either inhale the lavender and it instantly, the craving is gone almost instantly. Or if she didn't have the bottle with her or something, she would just look at her clock. And sure enough, three and a half minutes later, she didn't desire it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there you also uh, alluded to that same mechanism of, um, you know, putting something else in its place, uh, taking the power away from it and then doing work and then doing the work, which is an evaluation, uh, find the answer, act on it and achieve a result. And then, of course, this is, and this is another part, like, you know, I was, I was doing my, uh, psychedelic, uh, work as I thought I was doing, um, by myself, but what's really important and what I've glommed onto in, you know, the last several years is that, uh, there's no need to do that, is that there, there, you need to, uh, when you find yourself in a, a battle or, uh, uh a journey, It's really good to have somebody there that maybe has already been there or has the tools and the means to guide the situation along so that the outcome is even better than if you were just stumbling along the way trying to figure it out. Uh, For a long time, I rested on that idea that there are no teachers like there used to be. But really, and and maybe it's transformed into this, you know, the the coach world that we're in is that we don't necessarily need to have a teacher. Uh, we're not in a full apprenticeship, but there's probably an expert that has been there, done that, and can help us out, which I think is where your book comes in handy and yourself as well as a, as a uh, professional to help people from a place of knowledge and uh, a place of um, resource. You're coming with resources that are uh, what somebody needs when they're in a battle for their life and yeah. for the life that they want to live. You know, that's more – what we're talking about here is that they're living a life that, I mean, who wants to go to a meeting every day, forever? That's ridiculous. Uh, who wants to always be in clouds? You know, what if there was a way out where you, the person, could then also be on a sunny day yeah, every day or yeah. uh, have the freedom to do what they want to do? Not necessarily, you know, the bad stuff, just they don't have to go to a place and say, I... You know, I give it all to you. I'm sorry. I'm never going to (laughs) be, I'm never going to be whatever, you know, Um, to begin that battle. I think that's, I think that AA has like, it's the kernel of truth kind of uh, approach Mm -hmm. where they took a kernel of truth of what the process is and then stopped just at that. It's like, take the first step. And then that's it. That's like, that's the whole program.
0: Take the first step. And then you're
1: just supposed to sit there on the one step. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, as a counselor and a coach for 43 freaking years, yeah. my number one role is accountability with my clients. So right. when a client comes to me with any addiction at all, my number one role is to hold them accountable to do the homework that we give them. Right. Um, my second role is to never judge. Um It doesn't matter if if they happen to relapse or they're on the verge of it, or there's no judgment at all. We start again. That's all we do, you know? And then the other thing that we offer in our program that's very unique, because all I do is one-on-one work is that we work with people usually one day a week for an hour, sometimes one day a week for two hours. But then they they have access to me five days a week via text messaging. So they're never alone. You know, they, I, I meet with them on Monday And on Wednesday, they go, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't know what to do about this. They text me so they feel supported. And that's the role of coaches and counselors. You know, we should be there to support. Now, a number of years ago, we didn't do the five day a week texting. And then I think it was about five years ago. I said, "Okay, wait a minute. I've got so many people in this addiction program. And when I meet with them seven days later, they have 37 questions. Mm -hmm. Well, why aren't I with them holding, almost holding their hand, but not in a negative way during, instead of going to a meeting, take 10 seconds, text me something. And within 24 hours, I'll give you your answer. You know, so you feel that you have someone in your corner and we have been doing this with the greatest success. Now I'll tell you, some people text me every day and all they text is it worked. No substances, (laughs) right? right? Now, the more you text me, it worked the more confidence you're building because it's an action step, right? You're not waiting 24 hours. You you can text me four times in a day. I could care less. But we bring this level of service up because we've seen since we've started doing this, now our success was really huge before. And it's quadrupled because people know they've got me when they need me.
1: Right. Important. Very important. I, I used to live outside of Philadelphia and the uh, heroin epidemic there uh is uh beyond beyond the pale it's absolutely insane They, you know the nickname I think it's Needle Alley you know yeah. North Philadelphia is just uh, riddled with uh, addiction yeah. um is this do you do a kind of outreach work where you um you know not necessarily look to find people but uh make yourself very available to people that are in the midst of addiction or are you working more with people that are that 10% they're already like a kernel of working on their process of, uh, becoming non-addicted?
0: Well, you know, everyone has to have a 10% desire to heal or we can't work with them. Right. If someone says I'll join your program, but I'm never going to heal, I'll say then go somewhere else because it's yeah. a waste of time. Right. Yeah. But if someone comes to me and says, David, I don't know if this is going to work. I, I don't think it will work. I've been to six treatment centers. I've been went to whatever, but you know, I, I I'll give it a shot. And my yeah. first question is, perfect. <laughs> do you promise to do the homework?
1: Yeah, right. And,
0: and they say yes, and I say that's all you need to promise. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have you do anything else but promise to do the homework. And Nick, that's where we make our program so unique. You know, yeah. You're you're gonna get support. You're not gonna get shamed and guilted. None of that nonsense. But if you come to me and you say. I want to keep drinking. And the only reason I'm here is my wife. I will not work with you. But if you come to me and say, my wife has been on my butt for 10 years and I've got to do something, I will take them on.
1: Right. And well, because they said, I have to do something. And I think that's, I think that's the acknowledgement that something has to change is the most important thing. And that always, I always go back to that, that, you know, as humans, we get really comfortable and we get really comfortable in addiction mm-hmm. and in our ways and when it's comfortable we we don't change if we don't have to so we kind that's of have right. to hit that bottom or we have to get into the corner before um we take action you yeah. know and that and then if we don't have a way or a means we don't understand what the action is that's where it gets clouded and it gets you know difficult and it could add more addiction on top of it or something like that or more problems yeah um but i think that the key is to be able to, at that moment, know that there's a resource, that there's somebody and somewhere that they can find answers and, um, you know, somebody can put a sword in their hand to fight the demon, the dragon or whatever, that in their corner, there is somebody in their corner Yeah, that can give them tools that will help their battle. Um, and that, hopefully, you know, the idea is for me, at least, is to find that 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 thing you're battling is smaller and smaller and smaller as you get closer and closer to it.
0: I love what yeah. you just said. And and that's the coolest thing. You know, when people start the process, when there's a couple endorsements in our new book that actually blew me away uh, of people, I didn't really, I'm, I'm telling you, I have confidence that the program works. Obviously we've been doing it for 30 years, yeah. but there are some really difficult clients I have. You know, and you have to wonder sometimes, are they going to be able to pull through? And then when you see the endorsements in the book, I read some of them from people that I was really questioning after about six months, and they are killing it. You mentioned a word I wanted to discuss, and you used the word bottom. Mm. There's, it's a total mis. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Whatever that is. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's like a, a, it doesn't exist, but it's a misnomer. When people talk bottom, they usually talk arrest, DUI, killed someone nonsense. Right. But your it doesn't bottom stop there is simply a choice to heal. That's correct. It can be your first hangover. I had a 17 year old girl. Her parents called me and we said, we think our daughter's nuts. <laughs> she went to a party last night. She got a horrendous hangover and she woke up today and said, I need to get into counseling. And the mm-hmm. parents go, you only drank once. And she said, I never want to feel this way again. Yeah. That was her bottom. That's
1: it. Right. One exactly. hangover. Right. It's so, a decision. Yeah.
0: Yes. So if you're watching Nick and I today and you're going, well, you know, I'm not quite sure. Maybe I need to just see how bad this is going to get. Or maybe right. I just need to keep my drinking on weekends. Um, or maybe I just realize that it's only a choice. It's just a choice. Right. And right. when you say, OK, this is my bottom. I'm going to work with David or Jane or Bill or whoever you want to work with. That's all you need is a choice. And once you make the choice, let us as professionals lead you down that pathway to permanent recovery. Right.
1: And that is, and that is exactly it. That, that choice actually comes up that bottom or that corner. It comes up every moment, every minute, but every minute's like too long. Every moment we're approached in our mind with a chance to take a left or a right. We're always hitting a, a T. We're always there. We always have the option to get put into a corner or not be put into a corner based on our decisions. But metaphorically we go, we hit the bottom, but the bottom, like you said, jail could not be the bottom for some, uh, near death, overdose. uh, There, there, there really isn't an actual bottom. It's, it is that hitting the stop sign. Yeah. And now you have the choice to make it left or right. And it, and it really happens every moment of every day. It's, it's accountability and, And it's very comfortable for somebody, and that's the problem: is the comfort of that addiction, yeah, of being in it. You know, there has to be a choice to go left instead of right that one time, and once you do that, that's the opening. Yes, that's right. um, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, well there we go, and that is like the ten percent. It could be even one percent, but it's actually big. It's huge. Yeah, and but you're right. If if anybody's listening or watching. And they feel like I'm waiting to hit bottom. Uh, you know, that's every moment. Every moment is the bottom. Right always, now. Right now. That's right. Yeah. Which is powerful. Very. Now how can they um how can they find you and find this book? You said the website
0: Yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world. The website is talkdavid.com. And the reason we named it that is because, Nick, it's all I freaking do all day is talk.
1: So we
0: said, let's just make it a simple website, talkdavid.com. When you go there, you can get the PDF of this book absolutely free. Or you can go to Amazon and buy it, but you can get the PDF for absolutely free. Grab it, please. Talkdavid.com. You can work with me. We either have a a three-month program or a 52-week program. How I got clean was a 52-week program, but if you want to start out with three months, that's the minimal we work with someone in the world of recovery. We are offering massive discounts, $10,000 discount right now because we see the economy, we're meeting the economy, and we're going to make sure we continue to help as many people as we can. Uh, TalkDavid.com for any addiction. Alcohol, food, porn, uh, overspending, social media addiction, video addiction, uh, you know, it doesn't matter because all addictions are the same when it comes down to the fact that it's not the substance or the behavior, it's something underneath. So go to talkdavid.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. Every week you get a video or an article written about how do we continue to heal in life And we take on clients every week. So don't think, oh, he's overburdened, he's overworked. I work a lot of hours and I do it because I know what happened to me when I fully recovered. And I really want the world to see this side of you as a fully recovered, permanently recovered person.
1: Yeah, the world wants to see it because the world benefits. The world benefits from us being in a place of wholeness, of recovered, you know, of that elation. And uh, I really love what you've put together and great energy. And um, I really do hope that, uh, you know, people heed that, that little voice in their head that's saying, you know, maybe today's the day that I just knock this off. Yeah. You know, let's get on and get on living, you know, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today.
0: I had a blast with you, brother. Yeah,
1: what a great show! Fantastic, really. And fun. I'll I'll make sure that all your uh, information's in the description too. Okay, thank uh, you. That way it's uh, you know easily referenced that way as well. And um, and if well, you come out with another book, let's do another show.
0: It'll probably be next week.
1: Okay, perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We Fantastic. are writing, writing, writing. And as soon as uh, my publicist TJ gets this, we yeah. will share it everywhere, Nick. Excellent. Um, I think you're an excellent host. You you asked really good questions. You're extremely sincere. And in the world of addiction, we need more people like you who are really sincere about helping people. So thank you for your approach. Oh,
1: thank you. I appreciate that. Really do. Yeah, yes. pleasure's been all mine for sure. Fantastic. So, excellent. Until okay. next time, sir. Okay, bye, Take Nick. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.